Identity Talk. I'm your host, Jana Lopez. Thank you for sharing your time with me. My mission is to create deeper conversations with dynamic people from all walks of life about uncovering meaning about who we are and how we come to see ourselves. Words and identity are my life. I'm the author of the acclaimed book, Me, My Selfie, and I. I teach online writing workshops called Write About Now and offer one-on-one transformative coaching sessions that break you through to deeper clarity and connection with yourself through a guided process I call See Through Words. When it comes to navigating identity funky junk, it's time for straight talk. Get ready for real stories, real connection, and real hope mixed with humor and a whole lot of love. You're now part of Identity Talk with Jana Lopez. Welcome to Identity Talk with Jana Lopez. Many of you know who have listened to me that I interview people from far and wide, and everybody always has an amazingly interesting story. And so I'm with Lincoln Salazar, who is the publisher of Cigars and Spirits publication magazine. And I'm going to tell you about how I came across your name. And this is part of the interesting story of how I came to you. So I have a very good friend. His name is Ty. And he is a cigar aficionado like He loves the art, the craftsmanship, and um, he also used to be in the magazine business way back when. And whenever we chat, he would hold up the publication. And like most people that have been in the business, the first thing we do is we look at the letter from the publisher. At least I do as a former publisher. (laughs) I always go right to the letter. Yeah. And do you do that too? Yeah, yeah. Same yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. It's, way, Jana, thank you so much for having me on today. I really appreciate it. I'm very delighted to be here uh, speaking with you today. Yeah. And I'm excited to hear the, the rest of the story as well. Yeah. So it's funny. It's kind of like a publisher voyeur type thing. We have to see what other publishers say. And oftentimes I will admit that I'm a little catty. Sometimes I think these publishers letters are fluff and they're kind of bullshit and they don't really say anything. They say for travel tips, turn to page, you know, turn to page 46. And, you know, they don't really say anything. They just promote the contents yeah. of what's in the magazine. And, and when I had my publication, I had a monthly a regional lifestyle publication for over a decade. So every month I'd have to write that letter. Wow. And oh my gosh, that letter to me was part of my mission. It was part of why I had a publication. It was a chance to connect with the readers and talk about what was in my heart or mind. But I always felt like there weren't a lot of publishers that that did that. Uh, A lot of them didn't. But so Ty would say, I got my issue. You got to hear the letter that Lincoln wrote this time. So he would he would read me your letter. He, he always was impressed by how honest and authentic and genuine they felt. That just wasn't something that I was accustomed to in reading other publishers' letters. So it was because of your letters and because of Ty being such a fan of having an honest voice in the publication world, particularly in the magazine industry that you're in. It's probably a, a male leaning demographic I would imagine for for what your publication is is that true yeah absolutely I mean it's it's it has been for years it's 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 been very uh male uh focused in our not only in the publication but the industry but with cigar and spirits we do try and focus more on more and more on women uh over I would say the last uh actually since we've actually had the magazine you know it really is for male and female it is more male dominated but, you know, we do try and speak to everything I do right. I try and, you know, include women and men to, to that. Um, but sometimes separating a little just to have different insights of, of life as we all have similar paths, but also walk different roads. So it's, um, 
uh, I, I do try and touch both demographics as I'm, as I'm speaking to people, but I really, I just try and be honest. I, and I agree with you hundred percent what you said on your publisher's note that it's kind of your mission statement. You know, when I first put uh, pen to paper for the first issue of Cigar and Spirits magazine, almost 11 years ago now, the first uh, publisher's note meant the most to me because it kind of set the stage of what it meant and who we were and what we lived by. And as you can imagine, uh, and I, as you're doing a, a monthly 11 years later, it's not as easy to keep up the same tone, which we try to do, but not get too repetitive because you, you do kind of, after so many years, you, you kind of uh, can only talk about chivalry and being a lady or a gentleman or, you know, some of these characteristics that we kind of put into Cigar and Spirits magazine as a lifestyle. Uh, you can only, there's, there's so much. So it's, it's been hard trying to stay creative as, as it gets longer, but I, I try and look for inspiration in every publisher's note that I do have through whatever I'm possibly going through at that time or what we are going through as a country or what we're going through as a company or whatever that may be. And just being honest with people, you know, it's, it's uh, Cigar and Spirits magazine. When we started, it was much more than just a magazine to magazine to me. It was a lifestyle and a passion of mine. And, and the passion was the camaraderie, not, not so much just the cigars and just the spirits. So it was something that meant very, very much to me. So I do, you know, try and put as much of me into that as possible and hopefully, you know, every now and then connect with someone. Well, I think it, I think it does work. And I'm going to say two things about that. One is I think he was pointing out because it is a male leaning demographic that it's rare that you get a man sort of being honest about whatever's going on and being authentic in their voice. So that stood out to Ty. And as far as what I recall doing that for 11 years myself, the same amount of time doing a monthly is that if you can't really connect with people in an honest way through the publication, because the publication is like an honor. I always looked at that as like an honor. It was a challenge and an honor. And every month, you know, we have the decision-making capacity of how we shape or contribute to social conversation. Um, it should be an extension of who yeah. we are right? It should be an extension of who you are. So how did it become this passion for you? And I love that you use the word camaraderie, because I can tell you, there's nothing better than sitting around and drinking spirits. And I, I don't smoke cigars, but, but I appreciate people that do that there's this total bonding thing that goes on amongst men and maybe that's the equivalent of like how men connect to each other right maybe tell me what you see behind the scenes what's your experience of that camaraderie component between cigars and spirits both of them and the reason the publication came into uh when, when i founded the the brand and the company why I even came into it is just it was the bond that i had with most of friends close i would call them family around me we always had a cigar or spirit together and I agree with you. I, I think a lot of males bond with, with, with drinks, with cocktails, as do women with wine or, or with spirits as well. Women do too. And it's, I think it's becoming more and more trending with women as uh, it, nowadays as well too. But, you know, f as a male, sometimes, you know, we kind of have this guard with each other um, at first. And I think it kind of brings down barriers sometimes, sometimes too many barriers, but uh, you know, it kind of brings down those barriers a little bit where you kind of get to bond and open up. And sometimes, you know, I've had some of the deepest conversations at three, four in the morning over a, a fire, a fire pit that I have in my home and just having deep intimate conversations with uh, my fellow uh, friends that are, that are they're male. And we get to talk about whether it be marriage or whether it be about uh, you know, business or whether it be about just the world or what's going on. You know, we just connect over a spirit and a cigar and it gives you time. You see, a cigar, especially with a cigar, uh, the average cigar is going to take an hour of time, right? Cigars are something that takes an hour of time, and, and they're, not, they're nothing like cigarettes or, you know, anything of that sort. There's, they're, they're like wines. There's a way they're made. There's, there's a lot of uh, uh, craftsmanship that goes into cigars, and it, it gives you an hour of time to be able to, be able to bond and, and have that camaraderie with people whether it be male or female, it's, you know, I, I, I love, we get photos sent to us all the times of husbands and wives sitting on their porch, um, you know, in, in Kentucky with a beautiful day, just having their cigars on the porch. And I, you know, they, they take that hour to actually just enjoy each other. And that company slows you down a little bit, you know, we, we go so fast paced that it gives you time to actually really spend time together. Uh, my editor, Randy Mastrana Cole and I, 
twice a week. Uh, at the end of the day, we have a cigar every Tuesday and Thursday at the end of the day, no matter what I turn everything off. He does. And we just sit there and we talk about everything. That's a little bit of business and the rest is just about the world. And it, it really brings us together. It's one of my favorite things to do in the world. You know, I hadn't really thought of that and I'm glad that you brought that up. And I want to talk more specifically about spirits and cigars, because I think they're two distinct yet related things. And if we were to find those things in our life that help us to slow down or bring us joy, not everybody's going to meditate. Not everybody's going to listen to a book on audio. Not everybody's going to walk or run. And it's so important to make that time and, and to have it be sacred time and just let it be your time, whether, and you're sharing that time with somebody because you can't take that time back. It's your most valuable asset. Time is the most valuable asset in the world. And, you know, with a cigar, um, Alan Rubin, I was interviewing Alan Rubin one time from Alec Bradley Cigars, and he told me something that was really interesting. He said to me, you know, you're never alone if you have a cigar. And I truly feel that um, when I, if I'm just by myself and I have this, you know, if I'm alone and I, I don't feel like being alone at the time and I, but I still want to have my alone time, I'll sit down and have a cigar and I, I no longer feel alone. You know, I get in that meditation process and mm-hmm. um, it really calms me down and gives me the opportunity to just think about uh, life and the future. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing that it, it, it does for people. So many things come to my mind. Let's, let's just start talking about how you got into publishing. And if you don't mind asking, I'm going to ask how old you are because you <laughs> super young. And like when I got into publishing, I was in my late thirties, but you seem like a lot younger than that. <laughs> I've been publishing cigar and spirits for we're going on 11 years uh, this year or next. Like I can't remember because 2020 I got lost in, but um, those are 10. So I guess we're going 11 years. Um, I'm 36 and I started publishing when I was 25. I'm so impressed. That alone is impressive. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I don't know what in Sam hell made me uh, <laughs> want to publish a, a magazine in 2010, 2011 as, as everyone's going away from print. Here I am jumping in full force, throwing everything we can into it, saying, yeah, let's do this. You know, um, it was it was interesting timing. Um, but the publication, but I, I truly loved what I, I was getting into. Um, I, I've, I've never uh, published before. I, I, I did work with a smaller magazine that I purchased for a small amount of time um, from the owner. And I originally sold it back to him, but I, I never really published it. They, they, he still more published it. I was more just the investor with him. Right. Um, but I kind of just dove in head first. So did I, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, was, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I tried designing, I have no Photoshop experience. I tried designing the first cover all on my own. Oh my God. And it's, it's absolutely hideous back, but it's pretty funny. I want to see a picture of it sometime. <laughs> I'll have to show I was just uh, I was just going to do events uh, cigar and spirit types events because uh, my background's been in marketing and advertising but I was going to do that somewhat events and somehow I just turned it into a magazine we were going to do a newsletter and then all of a sudden it turned into this whole thing bigger than we expected it to be um, and then I just kind of enjoyed it I didn't look back for me it was just fun you know we yeah. It, especially the first four years, three, three, four years was the most fun as we were building and growing. And mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur to be, you know, uh, hopefully limiting the mistakes, but still making them and learning from them. You know, there were some really tough times in the beginning. A lot of pressure. As you can mm-hmm. imagine, print's not cheap, uh, especially the yeah. quality of our publication. It, yeah. You know, but our, demog- our demographic and the, the people that are reading our publication, you know, it's Cigar and Spirits Magazine. It's it's a collector's item. You know, we have people that email us from all over the world for past issues. I, hey, I'm missing an issue. You know, um, I, I need to, I want to put, uh, I want to put on my bookshelf or I, I, you know, I missed two issues. I want to make sure to get them. So the people that have been following us for over, you know, for these past years, they really have gone into it and they collect them, you know, much, much, I guess, like you could say, people used to collect Playboy in a way. I understand. We kind of just got lucky, you know, to tell you the truth when it came to, people responding to it, number one, and then people actually buying it on the newsstands and obviously advertisers advertising. So, um, and the industry is the most, uh, the spirit and the cigar industry is two of the most remarkable people you will ever meet in the world with the, the biggest hearts and just the, the sweetest souls. And they're just really humble, genuine people. And they've been so gracious to me 
over this last right. 10, 11 years. But I mean, I did not build this. I, I did not. I mean, I've, I've been very blessed. I, I, you know, I've had a, an amazing, beautiful team. Uh, Brianna Wheeler, who's been with us for 10 years now, helped me completely. She's been in the trenches with me thick and thin. I could not have done it without her. Uh, my founding editor, John Shaquille, I couldn't have done it out. My uh, partner, Mickey Dillon, I couldn't have done it without all these different people. Um, there's no way I could have uh, completed anything without, number one, their support, and number two, their belief, as well as Ricky Soto, who was my first account manager who helped me start the company. You know, we were sleeping on the floor uh, of our office for the first uh, year, about three times, a, three times a week, usually because we're out till four in the morning <laughs> entertaining for the spirits world, but, you know. Truth be told. <laughs> We had some pretty crazy times in the beginning. Being, I mean, you put some, we were four 20 year olds. You put us in the uh, spirits world and, 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 and this publishing world in, you know, your mid twenties is not a bad time to be doing it. So no, it's not at all. We had a lot of, a lot of fun back then. Well, and I'm going to say you said that you had all this help and I understand that, but my guess is that you also probably established a precedence for quality content because nothing survives without that. There's so many publications out there that don't make it because their content is awful, right? Like it's just terrible. So by having quality content, I think that's what builds your subscribers, your loyalty, your advertisers, all of that. I work with our editors, but they, you know, I've always let my editors kind of, you know, uh, present what they think. And I've trusted in the team. I've been very blessed with some great editors from our, from our founding editor, John Shaquille, to our now uh, four-year Randy Mastronicola, who's really taken the magazine to the next level from the covers to the content. Uh, he's, he's, I mean, he's a genius when it comes to what he's doing. And it's his first rodeo too. And he's just, uh, he's really killing it. I mean, I'm, I'm so proud to have him on the team and, and to work side by side with him. Um, you know, it really is his work of art. You know, I'm, I'm, I always say I'm the, I'm the producer, he's the director, you know, um, and he does an amazing job with that. I used to say I was the CEO all the way to the janitor, like when people said, what yeah. do you do? I'm a publisher. Well, I'm the CEO and I'm- If you ask my team, I'm more the, I'm more the janitor. I understand that. <laughs> totally understand that. And the other thing you said that really resonates with me as a publisher was the amazing- people you come in contact with from all walks of life, doing all sorts of interesting things. Every day was interesting. And I want to hand it to you by even saying yes to doing this podcast, because that means you're open to possibilities and to whatever can come. And I think publishing is a game of yes, where you have to just constantly be open because things are changing. You never know who you're going to meet all the conversations you're going to have. And I stayed open to everybody, like pretty much most of the time. And that to me is a, uh, an indication of a good strategy, just being open. Completely open-minded uh, with, in, in, in a lot of, a lot of ways, especially with publishing, you have to be, especially in this market, you have to, uh, you have to adapt uh, you, we, and we do, we do have a whole digital platform. Now we have an event platform. Now we have a world spirits competition platform. We have a video platform. We have all these different platforms away from the traditional print and publishing. So adapting is, is really important. Just as podcasts are now are, are, are new, I, I, I won't say they're new anymore, but they're, you know, definitely not when I got into the business, what they are today. Um, and when you reached out to me and said you were a publisher as well, you know, one of the first things that came to my, my mind was, hell, I, I'd like to speak with another publisher too, because I don't get to speak with too many very often. Anymore. Hey, you got any questions? Like, uh, you want to talk about what you, what yeah, drives like, you nuts? Well, maybe, maybe you know some things I don't. So I, I, you know, it's, it's really nice to, to speak with other people that are in our, in our business. I know lots of things. I do have lots of ideas, actually. I mean, if you ever did want to talk separately about, the ideas. I learned a lot. I actually had two publications and doing it over a decade. I, I learned a lot of things, not just about generating revenue. There's that, you know, you've got to figure out how to do that, but different ways of communicating stories that are relevant. And that to me was what my driving mission became about relevance and looking at what that word meant, because I think it's overused and it's a cliche, but it truly is the essence of publishing in my mind. You know, you have to stay relevant. Uh, I agree. And the content has to stay relevant. Um, you know, and, and for us, it's like we can only for we, you know, we're, we're more of a, a lifestyle publication. We've kind of positioned it that way because 
with cigar and spirits, and we dive deep into cigar and spirits. We read you from the ratings to the stories to the makers to, you know, we, we really are uh, really favored towards cigar and spirits, but we really do have this big lifestyle aspect to it of, the, we, you know, there's a certain kind of reader that we not only believe is reading the publication, but we also want reading the publication. Um, and, and as well as our digital and everything else. But the, the fact is, we, you know, we, we believe that we're a brand, you know, I, as a publisher, aside whatever your, your belief was, Hugh Hefner might have been, there was actually a good uh, documentary called uh, American, um, did you see that? It's called American, what was it called? American uh, Publisher or whatever it was. It was, it was about Hugh Hefner recently on um, Amazon. It was actually great for any publisher. It's really great to, to watch. But I, I try not to focus so much just on the publication, but the brand as a whole. Absolutely. And that's really what this uh, spoke about was uh, how Hugh Hefner was, he, you know, he pretty much said, screw the, screw the brand. I mean, screw the magazine. He said, let's focus on the brand. Right. And when you, when you look at the brand and you look at the, the publication and you, you put that into this lifestyle of everything and you make it come alive, that when someone's reading it, they can relate to what you're speaking about. You know what? You know, we have other people in our industry that are, you know, they're talking about, uh, you know, $100 million homes in, you know, the south of France. Well, that's really cool to see. And that's great stuff to see online. But for the average reader, that that doesn't really relate to those people, to, to, to most people. You know, how, how many people can afford a $100 million home in, in the south of France? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I can't. You know, most people cannot. So we try and relate to our readers as much as we possibly can from someone that's kind of up and coming to, you know, the up and coming entrepreneur or to the, the, the blue, the blue collar worker who's just coming home, you know, is coming home and just uh, in, enjoying more of a, let's say a simpler life, even though I don't think there's anything of a simpler life of, of um, I don't, I think that term is very broad for everybody, but um, you know, being able to relate to pretty much every man and woman of, of different, uh, from different paths. And that's what the brand is. And, and if you ever get a chance to go to one of our events it's, it's kind of like uh, the Disneyland of cigar spirits and lifestyle. Um, when you're, it's, a, it's about a four or five hour long event where you taste some of the best spirits in the world. You uh, take home over $300 worth of cigars. We have live entertainers from snake charmers to contortionists to uh, all these Circus Soleil, there's stilts, this whole production that goes on and it really makes the magazine come alive. And I compare it to uh, on a much, much smaller level of when Walt Disney first had Disney, the cartoon, and the animation then created Disneyland. So you can go feel like you're at Disneyland in that experience. So we're the Disneyland of cigar and spirits when we have our events, it's bringing that lifestyle alive to our consumers and they get to come in for a night and live that lifestyle. And we're popping up more of those events throughout the country coming over the next couple of years as well. That's great. Uh, I always told people because they would be like, well, why do you want to do a publication? Why do you want to do print publication? Why do you go online? I said, well, people go online for news and information. They don't go online to relax necessarily they don't go online to indulge they don't go in line to they're not going to take their little laptop with them on the beach <laughs> you know? there's something about uh touching it feeling it thinking about it there's that that's tangible that i think people it will never go away i don't believe that will ever go away it's just a matter of the qualification of the content keeping it relevant and finding ways to, I mean, multimedia is very important, but I still say it doesn't matter what platform you're on. If you don't have quality content, it doesn't make, it doesn't make a difference. So it all, it still comes back to the stories, yeah. which is what I do. Like, I think people's stories are amazing and fascinating. And that is the basis of humanity, whether we have a cigar or we're yeah. holding a glass of tequila, we're, we're looking at the same stars having the same uh, experience about COVID similarities, you know, there's all things we can talk about, but I always looked at publishing as, as a, as an honor and as a way to connect people to each other and, and to deep deeper to themselves. It still shocks me because when, when I was starting the magazine, I don't even think I realized for two, three years, I go, Oh wait, I am a publisher. <laughs> I know. So it was, it was very interesting to me. Yeah. That, that word, but it, it still strikes me. It is an interesting word. I mean, what, in some ways, though, I don't know if you experienced this or not. I felt a lot of pressure sometimes. There was a lot of expectations. And being a publisher actually took a toll, emotional toll. A lot of times there was a lot of stress. There's a lot of pressure around the revenue and around what people expect of you and, and 
you know, you're, you're holding it all together for everyone else and everyone's looking at you. And if something fucks up, it's your fault. You know, you have to take the responsibility. There's no way around that. It's, it's interesting because, um, each issue is an accomplishment, right? (laughs) Every new issue is an accomplishment. You know, if I'm, if I'm going and telling, uh, I have five different SKUs for that year or 10 different SKUs for that year. And I, I put those out on the market every month or every other month, we are recreating content, we're recreating covers, we're recreating, we're working, you start over every time. And I don't think a lot of people do understand that, that it's, it's this constant ongoing, uh, which I love, um, it's probably my ADD, but I, I love that constant ongoing, um, uh, recreating something new every single time. And then, and then having to say, okay, how do we keep it fresh over a year? How do we make it better? Because I mean, you have a certain amount of pages. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of publications out there that are uh, vanity magazines. I'll get because we have a beautiful publication. It's a coffee table type publication, and I'll sometimes get some friends that are you know busting my balls and stuff that are very close to me, going, "Look at this magazine. It's beautiful. Look, it's so much better than this or that." And three hundred pages, and it's this and that. So I go, "This publication does not make money." because it's a new one right and I go, it will be out of bit because you, you know as a publisher you can look at it and go look at the pages look at the p- page count look at the advertisers What's the ratio know who's really paying by the way when they're a <laughs> yeah know who's really paying know know what the real money is going on and know that it's a vanity publication so sometimes there's someone just behind it that has a lot of cash to keep it rolling to keep it flowing for a little while until like oh wait this is a money pit or how do you actually that's one thing to publish a publication first of all is not easy but to actually turn it profitable and to actually get advertisers and subscribers and people buying the publication people following it. That, that's the difficult part because I could, I could probably pay a graphic designer tomorrow to go put together a beautiful piece of work for me for one magazine, but now let's continue to do that every month to every other month, you know? Yeah. And it, and it, and it takes, it takes a whole team to do, it. you know, it takes wonderful people around you to, to make that happen. I, I couldn't never do it on my own. Um, it's everyone rowing together in the same direction to, to make it work. And those deadlines. I mean, I remember every single first week of the month, I was scrambling, you know, on the phone, collecting art, trying to get people to adhere to their deadlines. It was like corralling pigeons. And every middle of the month was doing the design and the layout and looking at drafts. And, you know, I could never, I was never off. I'll tell you that I was never really off. Even when I got all these gorgeous press trips to all these beautiful places and wine and dine, my mind was still on all the time there's a lot of pressure yeah it is it is um I, I for me i love it i mean i've really i think i've got accustomed to it um and we'll go in in, in larger spurts than others sometimes just when i'm trying to you know we 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 collect because i mean like you said the traveling and everything gets gets to you for a while for a while there i was traveling most of the year and all over the world but not and and not just for editorial but a lot for sales um, oh. I've, I've worked in the sales of this business since uh, we started it. And I still hold um, 80% of the accounts myself with, along with my sales team yes. uh, as well. But they want to talk to the publisher. <laughs> yeah. They always want to talk to the publisher and that's, and, and the editor, by the way, editor in chief too. Um, you know, um, Randy does an amazing job with, with that. And it's also, you know, one of the hardest things too, is making sure to balance the, uh, the the publishing with the editorial, I mean, the advertising with editorial and make sure that the content we're putting out is genuine and that there's not an uh, overlay of, of too many too much ad message going out and more of, uh, genuine uh, editorial with integrity. Yeah, and I understand that. I, I kind of had a di- little bit of a different philosophy I, and I understand that philosophy, but I felt like for a print publication, I, did, I wasn't doing news. I was telling stories. And if there was a company I believed in and they were doing something really interesting and they wanted to tell their story in their in a way that they felt made sense. I mean, I, I called them sponsored columns and I did all sorts of things around generating revenue that was win-win, that was not campy or advertorial. I actually worked with them closely to tell the story in my own tone, but I generated a shit ton of revenue that way. Yeah, we, we, we do that as well with brands that uh, we, we, we kind of pre-approve them. We make sure that, you know, it's a brand we would drink. We, you know, we're not gonna uh, let's let's say a plastic bottled, um, you know, vodka off the shelf that's five dollars. Well, that's just throwing stuff out. I'm not gonna say any names to shoot myself in the foot, but you know, we're not gonna write a story, right? 
Um, but yeah, we do do a lot of the, the uh, sponsored content, but we try and do it with integrity. Like, like you said, right. it depends on the publication. We're not saving the manatees <laughs> here. I mean, um, we're, we're not... Uh, we're not uh, writing about war and politics and everything else, you know, so it's, it's, it's a lot of entertainment. So I, I agree with you hundred percent on that end too. And there's a lot of publications and uh, editors in publishing that don't understand that at all. Actually, there are some that are very, very strict. And they're, they'll go out of business and they're going to go broke. They'll be and you'll go out of business that way. I agree with you. <laughs> and that's how you go out of business. Right. Right. Uh, I think it's a balance. I'll tell you a quick story. First editor. I'll never forget this because he was new to it too. He was a, he's a double major from Berkeley from graduate. So I needed someone that was really smart and, you know, read and read and write better than I can. And uh, as he was helping, as we were getting into the publication, I'll never forget. He was going through the, cause he was all about editorial. He's going through, I think we were going through a Vogue or something. And he's like, look, there was, I don't know, 50 pages of ads before you even got into any of the content. He goes, look at this. I would never have my magazine like that. And me as a publisher, I'm looking at that go, that's all money. (laughs) It's a little inconvenient for the reader. Hello, you know. It's like, yeah, but no, and I, and I'm like, no. there if is a have balance. 50, yeah, if we have fifty pages of front page advertising, I'm stoked. I mean that that's awesome, especially if you have that that inside, you know, twenty pages, right hand facing. <laughs> yeah. Premium positioning. <laughs> yep. Yep. Before we move on to the next topic about spirits, you tell me one thing you love about publishing, one thing that is not your most favorite thing about publishing. I think my favorite thing about publishing is really just working with the people and being able to be creative. You know, I, on, on the, I like being creative on the, uh, with our team on the, what's going into the publication. Um, and I like being creative. Uh, I like being creative with our advertisers and with different brands and finding different ways to, position things, whether it be in the publication or with our brand. And I think that's what I enjoy the most is just working with the people and more than anything, just diving with my team. I love, I, I, I genuinely love waking up and seeing my team every day. Um, Brianna sat pretty much in the front of our office for 10 years and it's a joy to me every day to walk in and see the same person there and have that relationship for that many years. Um, and then with, you know, the time I can spend with our editor is, is pretty remarkable too. So it's uh, the team for sure and, and working and just being creative. I mean, I, that's what I love about publishing. Yeah, it is creative. Every day is different. Least favorite. Working on any of the search stuff is pretty, and subscription stuff is pretty much a pain in the butt. But I do like numbers, so it's not that bad. I don't really have anything that I, I, I think, um, not, not too much other than just having to adapt, which I enjoy as an entrepreneur. It really, it really challenges my mind. I've been an entrepreneur for, since I was 18 years old, I've, I've actually don't ever, I don't even have a resume. I haven't worked for anyone else since I was 17, 18 years old. So. Me too. Yeah. So I just, uh, it's something that really lets me be creative. I'm unemployable. Same. Yeah. Same. I can't work for anyone else. I, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I, they'd fire me. No, I, and I couldn't either. <laughs> they'd fire me. It's, it's not, it's, it doesn't mean I'm a bad worker. It just means I'm not able to, I can't work uh, for other people. It's just, I, it's never, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm the same. But you people have to do that. No, I'm the same. Important. We need those people. I think because I don't like feeling confined. I don't want my somebody telling me how to spend the time in my life. It's my time. You know, I'm not going to raise my hand to ask permission to go to the bathroom if I've got to go, you know. Or something. About, 100%. So, so punitive or something to me personally. Yeah. I yeah, I don't I don't uh I I can't I couldn't do it. I wouldn't show up on time. I'd leave when I want. It just wouldn't work. You're probably like me. If if we had to, we would. Yeah. It, it's not to say that I'm above it. And I don't think you're saying you're above it. It's just knowing who we are and how to be in the world. And not everybody can be self-employed because it requires uh, a lot of self-initiation, motivation when you don't have it or don't want it. it. It requires you having to be your own cheerleader. You're your own responsibility financially. You don't know where the paycheck's coming from. There's a lot of other things that go with that. I, I've had times when I, if I think I'm not, I'll have, if I'm getting too far off the map uh, with the direction I'm going, I'm like, I, I got to put myself in check. I'm like, and I, I actually, I'll, I'll give myself a little, uh, you know, self check and uh, be like, if you don't put it together, you're going to have to fire yourself. Totally. You know? And uh, if not, everything else will collapse for you. So you better get it together. So exactly. No way am I beneath uh, working for for someone else. Um, I I'm, 
I'll be the first to always take out the trash. Yeah, I, I, I'm the same. That's, that's, I try to explain that to people. I always say, well, how could you, how can you work for yourself for so long? I mean, I've been self-employed since I was like 24. Uh, it's all I've known. And there's ups and downs. Downs. There are ups, ups and downs. downs. And that's what people don't understand. They don't see that part of the job when you have your doubts or and, when you have your insecurities or there is an economic downturn or there is COVID or yeah. something happens. I was I was terrified the first day of COVID when they shut everything down. I mean, I woke up the next morning, I go, I don't know what the hell is going on and what's happening. I go, this this could be. Um, you know, we were calling advertisers, make sure everyone was safe and okay before even getting any kind of business talks. But it was, it was, uh, quite, we, God blessing, we made it, you know, through the year. And we, not only that, we thrived actually. We were very blessed. And the two industries we sell to had some of their best year last year. So, and, uh, it opened up their budgets a lot. So we were very blessed and we had a lot of support around us. I mean, we had a lot of support. There were a lot of glass bottles and recycling in the neighborhood. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about spirits so tell me a little bit about like I only really I know tequila really really well I'm a tequila educator in fact I do an event every year in Monterey called the Monterey Bay Tequila and Cuisine we've been doing it this is our would have been 10th year last year but we had to put the event on hold um, so I know many of the distillers, they're my friends. I educate people. I teach classes. I'm very, very, very passionate about sustainable, organic, uh, ritualistic, historical, family centric tequila. And I noticed that, um, the spirits industry in general, it seems to be just shifting so much. Tell me from your perspective, like what you experience about the spirits industries. What's, what is it about where we are now that, that has, has changed? Cause it felt like it's, it's been changing. What's your perspective on that? Um, I, I see, you know, there's a lot, I've seen the industry over the last 11 years change uh, quite rapidly from uh uh, and I think it's a generational thing with the millennials and this next generation. Um, a couple things. One, I'm seeing what I've seen over the years change is that people are more into craft type drinks and boutique type brands. That's mm. um, one thing I've, I've definitely mm. seen change. Um, and then the other thing, too, is uh, on the spirit side, people looking uh, for something unique that's to, for them. That's kind of made for them, especially in the tequila market. Um, something that's uh, mm-hmm. unique for them that, uh, you know, you're not just going up to the counter and ordering your normal, you know, uh, Don Julio or something like that. Um, but Don Julio's even started and all the bigger brands have started making, um, you know, more, uh, uh, more craft type uh, spirits and uh, uh, with, within their brand. And they've done an amazing job at it as well. But I think the other thing I've seen too is uh, a lot of brands are looking for a healthier alternative. So lower calorie cocktails, um, the mixologists now are like, uh, you know, they're all stars. They're like celebrities, some of these mixologists and these bartenders and God bless them. They do an amazing job and they work hard for all of us. Um, but I've seen that uh, become a big change. I've de- and then over, over 2020, obviously you've seen people just drinking more at home as well too. Um, and the seltzer mm-hmm. drink too, these, this in the, say the liquor or the alcohol industry as a whole, you know, especially with the, the beers, you've seen these uh, White Claws and these seltzer drinks really coming out, which not compared to premium spirits, by the way, but it's it's taken a big portion of the market, you know. And then um, Kettle One has an mm-hmm. amazing, uh, they have the um, botanicals, the Kettle One botanicals, which is uh, less alcohol content, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, gluten-free, lower calorie, you know, you've seen that. And I see a lot more marketing pushed towards women. We're, we're, you know, we're probably chasing this unicorn of this, you know, that's just looking for that perfect uh, cocktail all the time, that perfect spirit. Um, but there's so many beautiful right. ones out there. But, you know, speaking of the of, to women, the, the market's women. I, I met uh, a woman that just uh, distilled her own, uh, a woman-owned bourbon um, about three weeks ago. And it was fantastic. It was a really good bourbon. And it was not, uh, it was not uh, too high a proof, but it was, it was blended uh, very beautifully. 
Um, and she's done an amazing job with that. And she, you know, they're marketing towards women for bourbon. I've seen women start drinking more whiskey. To know, because I love to hear about those stories. And I, and I drink bourbon and whiskey too. I don't do scotch and I don't do gin or vodka. And, and I don't do mezcal because I don't like the smoke. But the bourbons, whiskeys, tequilas, um, it has been interesting. There are some brands that are marketing more towards women. They're trying to reach out and, and connect to the female demographic with the spirits yeah. world. Yeah, so I see, I've seen that, that, that big change as well, which I think is amazing. Um, I've loved seeing women uh, when they're out ordering, you know, old fashions or old, you know, gins. And I think it's, I think it's great. I've had the, the best to the, to the worst and uh, not in any way am I, I, I'm a snob with drinks or with cigars or spirits. I know what I like, but, um, and I, I know my palate pretty well, but I'm not a snob. Fair enough. And, and in fact, I, I don't like when people are too often because it, when you when you get to that level of, of, for me, when you get to that, you don't have the opportunity to maybe try something you wouldn't normally try. And a lot of people are very price conscious. I don't think price has any good spirits or cigars. I've had some very expensive things and I'm like, this is, I'm not that impressed, but that's my palate. I agree. I, I think, I think everyone has different palates, but I, I like to explore my, my palate and, and I've, you know, I, I've 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 the American Craft Distillers Association uh, board one time with um, Beam from Beam Global, and I was sitting with on him with this panel one time, and I, I my flight my flight was delayed. They flew me in to do rum and whiskey, and they and I my flight missed its other flight. This was years and years ago, and so I ended up doing um, moonshine and vodka, and we tasted for eight hours straight. That was one of the toughest eight hours I've ever had in my drinking career. That's heavy. Uh, because it was all small batch. So some of this stuff was green. Yeah. Some of it was yellow. I, I was, I, I give you my word. I was seeing stars at the end of the night. I believe it. Um, when we were done, I literally had to excuse myself from the dinner. I go, I got to, <laughs> I'm like, I, I wasn't spitting most of it. Uh, I do want to get the full effect. <laughs> and I, I was like, I, I was seeing stars. <sighs> I mean, I was tasting stuff that was green. They're like, how's the color? I'm like, is this supposed to be green? <laughs> They go, well, it's probably made in a bathtub. So I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> one step forward, three steps around. One of the best worst experiences of my life. And they invite me back the next year and I go, I, I graciously just cannot do it. <laughs> <laughs> I humbly have to step out. Yeah, that's the thing at these events, especially you've got to pace yourself. And the, the tequila event, it's funny because there's usually I'm working the event and as you probably know this too, when you're working the event, it gives you a lot less time to get into trouble, but you have a chance to observe and people, you know, it's yeah. like five 30 and they're, they're already like stacks into their sip cups. And you're like, It's not going to go well. Yeah. You know what? We, not gonna, we've been very blessed. We have 1200 people that come out to our West coast cigar and spirits tasting. Uh, we've, in 10 years have not had one problem. We've never had to walk anyone out, never had anyone throwing up, no one drinking. <laughs> we, I mean, just had a, we've really had amazing. We just, I hope we set a presence there that like, this is a, a, a fun yet professional setting. And we want everyone to have a great time, but enjoy responsibly and, and really take in what it is we're trying to teach her and the education. And because these, these distillers and these cigar makers, they put their hearts and souls in this. They're, totally. they're, 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 they're artisanal. And, and what they do is pretty amazing. And to just go over there and slam a shot of it and walk away and treat it like it's, you know, I want to get wasted on it. it is, one, I, I find it's, it's disrespectful. Not that I've never been wasted on any of it. But, you know, to, in the setting that we have, we, we, we've, you know, knock on wood, we've never had a problem. We do the same thing at, at our event because it really is about the education and the culture. When is your event, by the way? Or when are you going to start yeah. kicking your events back into gear? Two weeks, May 22nd, here at the Hyatt Newport Beach. Mm -hmm. They have limited capacity um, mm -hmm. for this year, so it's going to be a little bit different run of a show. Um, Ascent will be there with us, too. Mm -hmm. Going to our golf tournament. We do a golf tournament in November, uh, where each hole you get a different nice. cigar and different spirit, different education. And then we do one in uh, October, our Texas, West, our Texas Cigar and Spirits Tasting, which is um, about 800 people. It's our third year in uh, this year, and it's just growing rapidly. You know. October what? Because I was going to invite you to ours. This year it's October 6th, I believe. Okay. Well, then you you have an open invitation. We would take good care of you in Monterey on October 23rd. Um, it's a great event. It's a beautiful event. I love I love that. Send the information. In October 6th, maybe I'll come and check yours out too. Because uh, we're learning, right? We're trying to learn. And yeah, we'd love to have you. You're welcome. 
So what about the cigar thing? Because the cigar thing, I know Ty talks to me a lot. Like he's so impressed with the families, the land, the process. Like it's a whole thing when he's talking about where everything's grown, the different types of cigars. And he has a lot of passion for the families and the sort of lineage um, I know nothing about cigars. So what is it that got you interested in cigars? You know, when I had my first marketing company, I was just walking by a cigar shop, smelt it. I want to celebrate. So I walked in and I bought a cigar with a couple of the sales guys I had at the time to celebrate. I think we were maybe 19 years old. We just got one of our first big deals. And uh, we walked in there to celebrate. And I stayed in the lounge and I, I kind of just enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the culture of it. Uh, I went to a lounge here. Ironically, it was called a aficionado cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, cigar lounge, no relation to the public, the publication. Um, but they had a lounge here in uh, Lake Forest, California. And the owners of it, Sean and Angela were like, I guess my cigar, uh, my cigar parents. Mm-hmm. Um, they taught me everything about cigars at the time. And I loved going at the end of the day and having a cigar and having a cocktail. And just, I'd be in suits all the time when I was younger, especially. And I just enjoyed the whole camaraderie. And it doesn't, and what's so beautiful about cigars anywhere in the world you go. And I've been all over the world. Um, Anywhere you go, if you go into a lounge, it doesn't matter whether you're uh, a janitor, a CEO, a celebrity, the, the, the playing field's even, you know, you're all there, you ask, hey, what do you smoke in? What do you enjoy? And it just creates this, this beautiful bond. In fact, the deepest relationships I have in my life through my friends, family, uh, business partners, everything I've ever had has been around a cigar. There's, and there's a trust to it. And I see a guy with a cigar or even a woman, I just feel there's a certain trust and uh, 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 unspoken language amongst each other. And that got me into it. Um, and I just progressed my palate like I would anything else. Sean Angela, because uh, I was blessed to make a little bit of cash when I was younger and they were having me buying the most expensive stuff, which I learned I didn't need to do very quickly. Uh, but um, they kind of taught me the hard way, but I uh, learned uh, I learned a ton. You know, and I just I loved having a cigar and taking that time. Like we will said, it's time is the most valuable thing in the world. It's the most valuable, you know, trade you can ever, uh, ever trade. It's the most beautiful gift you can ever give. And I I just it's the time that you really get to spend with it. During COVID, we I was jumping on FaceTimes with uh, people in the industry that I didn't normally have time to sit and have a cigar with. We'd be on FaceTime and sit there and have a cigar for two, three hours. Sometimes one, one night we had a whole event thing. I think we're up till two in the morning. We we're supposed to stop at eight o'clock, but we kept all just drinking, having a good time and having cigars. And, you know, we all have, it gives you something to talk about right away. Yeah, it's nice. It's, it's commonality, it's passion, it's equalizing. And one of the things that I've learned just being in the tequila world is that it, in, in, in addition to being an equalizer, what I love about it is that uh, there's so many stories how people come to be with that bottle or how they found it. I know some of the most (laughs) prolific collectors of tequila in the world. In fact, I probably know five of the top collectors that have the most amazing collections, museum worthy. And you go into their places. Of course, every bottle mostly is open for drinking, which is lovely and generous. And you hear the stories of how they climbed into the attic of this liquor store on an old highway that they just stopped into. It's a whole hunting passion uh, thing and never bragging, but sharing in the moment of like, look at this bottle that I discovered. And that part about it is something that really always fascinates me. And I'm going to write a story about that because I think it's, something that needs to be told. People don't understand what goes into this passion. They don't really understand that these people that have these collections, they didn't just go and buy them. They went and they found them, they scouted them, they talked to liquor store owners, they bartered, they connected, they gifted, they traded. And like to arrive at these places, there's a story behind every bottle and and how they acquired it. And, And they're proud. There is. And, and and they are and recommend to any cigar enthusiast or anyone new to cigars or anyone new to spirits um, and, and actually really taking it in and educating themselves to go to the distilleries or go to the farms or go to the factories 
because it gives everyone, it, it gives you the insight of really how many hands touch it, how many people are behind it, how many lives it pays for, how many generations have been behind it. The, the Nolette family has over 325 years of making, of making spirits and the, the love that goes in to each and every bottle that goes out. Have the opportunity to go there, you get the chance to take in the smells and to understand the, the spirits and, um, and know the story and the background and sometimes the heartache of what it took them to get there. You know, uh, I think it was the Fuente family. They had their, their, their uh, Arturo Fuente back in the day, they had their whole factory burnt down in fires in the Dominican Republic. They had to rebuild that, you know? And when you come home from any of those trips, you have the opportunity, you, you'll, when you smoke that cigar, you'll, you'll now understand the smells from the aging room uh, to understand the leaf, to see what it was like before it was just before it was rolled, to see all the the rollers that are sitting in a room, the music mm -hmm. that's playing, the cute, you know, mm -hmm. the Spanish music that's playing and, and dancing, and you know, and just the, the the really the romance and the love to what what the experience is behind it. Amen. That's beautifully that's beautifully stated. I I feel that I absolutely feel that, and I love that. You know, I've had a chance to connect with these people that have these stories and they have these bottles and they help these families and they're part of the these communities and they and they you know connect through these spirits it's really it's fascinating endlessly fascinating and beautiful well is there anything you want to add is there anything we have not have not covered we've covered a lot of ground and i've, I've taken uh, a chunk of your time which i'm very grateful for you as well. Thank you. Is there anything that you want to... people want more information, go to cigarandspirits.com. I guess I could say, you know, check out our events. I'd love to meet anyone that comes to our events. Um, and, you know, just uh, most of all, I always want to say thank you to my amazing team and family and, and uh, our amazing followers over the years. Um, I, I'd be doing, God knows what I'd be doing without them. And, and thank you very much for your time. What would you be doing without this? I don't know. <laughs> I wonder that. I don't know. Oh, I'd be doing something, but probably not as much as I love of this. I, I do have other businesses, but this is my baby and I, I love it with all my heart. What other businesses do you have? <laughs> Ironically, on the other side, I have an IV, I have an IV vitamin business, um, <laughs> which is on the health, complete health side, which uh, cigar and spirit benefits <laughs> in some ways, I, uh, mentally. Yes. Um, you know, so it's on the complete opposite, but um, I'm very passionate about health as well. I do believe for every uh, one bad thing you put in your body, you should put two good things back into it. So, and if you're going to put something into your body, whether it be uh, alcohol or vitamins or whatever it may be, make sure it's the best. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I can live with that. Well, Lincoln Salazar, it's been an amazing conversation. You've taken me to... Uh many places I hadn't really thought of. I'm, I'm definitely inspired and I'm excited to see where all of these things take you. It seems like you have a really exciting and inspired future of possibility. Yeah, I'm very blessed. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for listening to Identity Talk with Jana Lopez. I've had a fantastic time. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, share it with someone you think is in need. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. For questions or comments, reach me at janalopez.com. And when you're having a moment of identity doubt, just remember that seeing is relieving. Thank you.